0: It's that time. You know that's right. If you are tuned in, then you have now positioned yourself to become undeniable in your pursuit of personal, professional, and spiritual excellence. Now, I hope you are pursuing excellence, but if you are not making an impact with your life, then you have come to the right place today. Welcome to this educational episode will become undeniable. I am your new favorite host, Brad Austin. Killing it on the mic and as always, keeping it real no matter whose feelings it hurts, while providing undeniable value to you every step of the way. Now today, we are going to talk about something that I am really passionate about. We're going to talk about dogs. Not only about the goodness of dogs, the joy they bring into our lives, what it means to have a dog, Right. Why you should or should not have a dog and making that decision responsibly, but also how dogs can help us live undeniable, happier lives. And there is no better person to help me educate you on this subject than my friend Jake, Jake Schneider. Forgive me, brother, for not getting your name right. That is pathetic. Jake Schneider from On Dog Training Academy. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Oh, man, I'm living it up. We're about to talk about dogs, bro. This is going to be awesome. I'm 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 loving it. How are things going on your
1: end? Not too bad. We just got through a blizzard and everything. And I mean, <laughs> half the country got through the blizzard. I, wasn't it even cold in Florida? You know, it was for
0: about two days. Yeah. And my wife and I were looking at each other and we we're like, I, I thought we left Seattle. What the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I don't live in Minnesota like you, so Mm-mm. I don't know
1: what the deal is. We we got shocked for a couple of days, for sure. No, I, I'm just sore. Like, I had to go shovel my fence. We had so much snow. <sighs> we had so much snow that the dogs could have just walked over our four-foot fence. So I was out shoveling fences and stuff. So I'm feeling it still after about two days past that. But other than that, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about dogs. I mean, any chance I get, right?
0: Yeah, it is always a fun topic. But the, But you know what? There are other there is more to it than just oh look how cute they are yeah. oh i want a christmas gift oh there there's a lot to it that's another life man that's mm-hmm. but let's let's get into this right here because i i formulated some great questions that i think you are the ultimate expert to answer and the first one i have for you bro is is really like you know how some people make the decision to get a dog right like i'm wondering How how should they go about making the decision? Let's 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 just take a first time dog owner, because there's a lot of there's a lot of destruction that happens in the wake of first time dog owner decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they're not made properly. I mean, so let's let's talk about it and and get into anything and everything involved. Um, What's involved, what they should be thinking about and really your perspective on it all. So how should people go about making the decision to get a dog?
1: Well, I I think the first thing people need to look at, honestly, is where they are financially. Now, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who are breeders. And when somebody reaches out to them and the first question they ask is how much is the dog? That to them is a red flag. That being said, I do think it's important, though, for people to understand, like, can I afford to have a dog? One of my personal pet peeves is when clients reach out to me and they're like, hey, I got this new dog. And then they tell me how much they paid for it. And they're like, I got a deal or I got this dog really cheap or whatever, you know, Oh, I got this dog for 50 bucks. It's really cheap, whatever. And, wow. and, and I mean, I, I get it and I can't fault people for, for not going and buying high-end dogs. I mean, rescuing is always a good thing, but rescue is not cheap either. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think looking at financials, I think the cheapest thing you do is buy that dog, whatever you pay for that dog, whether it's $50 or $5,000, I think that's probably the cheapest thing you're going to do in that dog's life. Because, everything else starts to go after that you vet bills you have the main the maintenance of the dog so food grooming vaccinations you name it you know and then emergency stuff because just like with at least me personally just like with uh, a human children you're going to do everything you can to help that dog make that dog um life happy so you're not going to buy the cheapest food in the world probably or at least you shouldn't um Right. And training. I mean, yeah, you can do a lot of training on your own, but classes and stuff like that, that's that can get expensive as well. So first thing, financials, big time, like making sure, hey, I can afford the lifelong commitment that a dog is, you know, and you mentioned Christmas, right? Like people get these puppies for Christmas. And, you know, I know some rescue friends who who say there's a big flow of 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 surrenders. Probably, mm. I believe it's March-ish, when that cute puppiness starts to wear off, right? They got this puppy wow. for Christmas. It's little. It's adorable. Kids liked it for a second. But remember, kids are also playing with their new PlayStation they got or their new Xbox or whatever else they got. Right. So, puppy wear out wears out. And, you know, they just, they surrender them because all of a sudden this cute little puppy starting to grow up and they're a pain in the butt and they just didn't foresee the work that was going to go into it. Oh, you mean we got to we got to we got
0: to train the dog to go outside? Yeah, go figure, right? They just don't We got to we got to it can't pee in the house?
1: What? Well, it can. <laughs> I mean, if if I you mean... want to allow your dog to just go to the bathroom <laughs> anywhere in the house, go for it. Just don't invite me to your house. I don't really want to.
0: No. No. Uh-uh. So, yeah, you, you talked about costs, responsibilities involved. That's number 1 for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think people think about that at all. They get caught up in the emotion, as with many other types of decisions, mm-hmm. right? So you got food, you got vet care. You probably, if we're smart, you sh- you should probably start, you know, 10 bucks a week, emergency fund for emergency vet care. Hopefully that never happens, but we have insurance.
1: Um, we, we actually pay for insurance for our dog, whether it's worth it or not. We do that just cause he's a sport. Oh, dog. Okay. And, I mean, he could get, he could get injured fast. Like our, the previous dog we had, we had insurance on him and, and he uh, he ended up getting cancer and, and it, We put about $10,000 worth of vet care into him, but thankfully I think four or 5,000 of it was covered through our insurance. So it helped and that was worth it then. So, but yeah, I mean, you have to have funding set aside in my opinion or insurance or something to help just in case. Yeah. In other words, do not let the financial responsibility
0: surpass your mindset. You have to, you have to know that is If you have a baby, there's expenses. If Mm -hmm. you have a dog, there's expenses. If you have a hamster, there's expenses, although much lower maintenance. But you still have to take care of it, right? So Mm -hmm. let's talk about the other things that people do not consider, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what the dog needs, right? Now, I've come to the conclusion that, in my opinion, tell me if I'm wrong, but dogs are pretty simple creatures, man. They're pretty simple creatures. You got to feed them well. You walk them. You take them outside. They love just to be outside and walk around and sniff and all that stuff. Pee, poop, and and they'll love you. That it's really a pretty simple life for them, but they love it and every day is new to them. But tell me, tell me if I missed anything about what the dog needs—not just monetarily, but emotionally and and other responsibilities.
1: Yeah, I mean so your dog needs in my opinion and, and obviously i'm I'm a trainer so this is maybe I'm biased but I think your dog needs training and it's not even just so oh my dog listens to me and is good for me I think it helps the well-being of the dog like if you take a dog and you say okay I'm not going to give you any rules I'm not going to train you at all you do whatever you want and then you're screaming at the dog every other every other minute because the dog's getting into something, the dog's life is not going to be great. So I just think, you know, you need that training, you need that structure. And I feel like when you do those things, it adds it, it, you build this emotional connection and this dog bonds to you. Dogs are pack animals. They want to know whether you like the term alpha leader boss, whatever you want to call it. They want to know, okay, like who's in charge. And you don't mm. have to be mean to be in charge. You just have to have right. these rules and reinforce them. And I think that to me is the is the most important thing is when you set those things, the dog can coast through life that like you said, it's easy. It is super easy. Then when you set those things, um, people complicate dogs, I think, to a degree, mm-hmm. whether it's through through treating them like children or like people and, and forgetting that they are dogs. So they are slightly different um, or if it's just, you know, they, they just don't put the effort in to create this this dog that will be easy. Like the dog we have, he's a piece of cake. We have client dogs that come in that are not easy. They're not easy just because of things they've learned, bad habits they've developed. So, I think the biggest thing, rules, rules, training, guidance, let that dog know what they can and can't do and just being consistent with all that.
0: Right. And and you you said something a second ago that just really hit me because you're right. Being being the owner, being the alpha, being the leader of your pet does not mean being mean. Mm -hmm. It does not mean yelling at them. It does not mean exerting your power over them. All right. It it, it means, I mean, you have to find a way to communicate with them. And that's what I want to talk to you about in a second. But Mm -hmm. talk to me about socialization, man. You know, we, I I still go back and forth on socialization. I think it's important, but I don't, I'm not even as well versed in the right way to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I do know that, most likely taking them to doggy daycare where there's 25 dogs in a, in a crowded space. And I don't know if that's really socializing them. So can you educate me and,
1: and the rest of us on what socialization actually is, what it means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, when people think of socializing, most of the time what comes to, 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 to their, to their brain is okay. People places, other dogs, those three mm-hmm. things. Like we have to do those, but there's a lot more to it. there's sounds, you know, how many dogs are afraid of thunder, fireworks, yeah. you know, yep. uh, high winds? I mean, whatever. And it could be just because they weren't exposed to it. Or I had a dog growing up. It was my my, my parents own a dog training place as well. And they had uh, someone they knew whose dog was afraid of tile floor. Mm. So she had to put, this is a golden retriever. She had to put little rugs leading from outside to the living room where it was carpeted because, and the dog would just jump them to get there because it was terrified, but she never, the dog had never really been exposed to it. And so it just kind of developed when it stepped on it one time, it was afraid because it slipped and it said, okay, I don't like this stuff. So there's, there's smells, there's sights, there's sounds, there's textures, all these different things that people need to consider when they are socializing. Now the term socializing, like you, like you mentioned, is daycare socializing? Yeah, I would say it's, it's teaching your dog to, to like other dogs, you know, which isn't a bad thing, um, but I feel like what is more important in my in my opinion for dogs is to be indifferent when you're around other dogs. If you only, if your dog is only around other dogs and you take him to daycare, your dog will love dogs, other dogs, to a fault. Meaning, when you're on a walk and your dog sees another dog, they lose their mind, right? They, they pull on the leash, they jump, they bark, they almost... It's the, it's the whole like, Oh, my dog's not aggressive. He's just excited thing. That's what typically happens when your dog is only around other dogs for playtime. That is when that's what you're going to see is this overstimulation. What I like to do is I'll take my dog to a dog park. I don't like going into dog parks personally. um, But I'll take my dog to a dog park and sit on the outside of it and just reward my dog for hanging out with me with that chaos going on inside the dog park. And just teaching them, yeah, don't don't get reactive. Don't be afraid. Don't be aggressive. Don't be overly excited. Just be indifferent to it. You know, just like with being in groups of people. You have a puppy and people go, oh, I have this puppy. I'm going to socialize them to a bunch of people. And they're going to bring the puppy to people. And it's go visit them and them and them and them and them and them and them. And all of a sudden, your dog sees people and they lose their mind. Yeah, it's nice your dog is friendly. But now they're jumping on people. Now they're overstimulating too much. It's the same concept. Like I'll let my dog visit with people. I'll let my dog play with other dogs, but there's also going to be times where I want my dog to just hang out with me around other people around other dogs, maybe even cats, whatever in different places. And just be indifferent. Just hang out with me, be here with me and not worry about everything else. Be a team with me and not completely want to abandon me because, Oh, there's another person I'm going to go see them or another dog or, or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. So, uh, again, I think, I think what we're what we're getting to here is, man. Even, even in this uber information age that we live in, uh, it's still, it, the. I find this to be a common theme, regardless of what the subject matter is, and it is. It's happened to all of us, but especially in this sense, the problem is that people just don't know, right? They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. Um, and a lot of times, the, the the places that they're seeking information aren't really the best. They're just maybe the most accessible, right? <laughs> TikTok, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can get your education on TikTok.
1: <laughs> they see well, honestly, social media people see things on social media and they go, oh, "Okay, I'm going to do that with my dog." And there's a right. lot of things on social media when you watch dog videos, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, that's so bad!" But everyone's like, "It's so cute, it's adorable. Look at the baby crawling yeah. on the." On the Rottweiler, isn't that cute? I'm like, for now. For now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Until things possibly go south. Exactly, exactly. Yikes. So, yeah, social media and stuff like that, I think, there's a good, there's good about it, but yeah, people are getting information, maybe not from reliable sources, or they're getting it from their friend who's lived with dogs for a while or something.
0: Right, right. Yeah, so many dog owners, like I said, they, they have no idea how to train their dogs, and mm-hmm. so, um. I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not I'm not looking for you to just put on a whole seminar here because of time constraints and et cetera. But it'd be long. <laughs> but I was wondering if you could if you could give us some simple yet effective training tips to help people with that stuff. As far as like, oh, I'm thinking about getting a dog. They happen to come across this episode somehow. They take the time to listen to it because they are going to get a bunch of value out of it and it's going to mm-hmm. help them make the decision or help them with the decision they make. Right. So Let's talk about potty training real quick, right? Mm -hmm. What, again, just a minute or two, or or as long as you want to take, Mm -hmm. I'm here. Uh, What's the best thing you can hand somebody right now
1: as they're listening with your going to be potty training? Uh, Honestly, I would say confinement, not giving a a puppy the free run. Like if you say, hey, I'm going to, here's my house dog. You have free run of everything. Your dog's going to go behind the couch and poop or something, and you won't catch it for Lord knows how long. Or the dog pees and you never see them do it. So I always, what I always give, the tip I give people is I like my dogs to have a very small world at first. And Mm -hmm. then as they earn it, aside from taking them out and socializing them, but in the house, our house is is a small area. And then as the dog starts to get better, better at potty training, more trustworthy, I start to expand it. So confinement, I'm not going to give you free run. I use exercise pens. It's like a child playpen, basically, to block a puppy in. I, I do crate training and stuff as well. But here's where you're going to have your free time to play and run. I can keep an eye on you, which means I can watch any signs you have of, of having to go to the bathroom. If you start pacing a lot, get Nancy. It's teaching me your your tells. Um, but I can get the dog out more frequently and stuff. It's just being able to monitor them. And if they go to the bathroom, which, you know what, puppies go to the bathroom in the house, it happens. Yep. Being able to see it catch it and then get them outside right away. I don't care if they just went, I'll be like, no, 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 no. We go outside and I pick them up and I put them outside. And if they go, I reward them. That would be probably to me, the biggest thing is just having that structure in the house to help people or to help the dog kind of, you know, get used to, okay, I don't go to the bathroom here. Um, And the second one would be limiting, limiting water. I don't let Mm. puppies have free run of water i don't free feed dogs anyways i don't free feed puppies for sure i schedule feed dogs because it puts them on a schedule which then i know okay you know what an hour after you eat you have to poop and i'm gonna go outside with you until you do because if i let you back in you're probably just gonna go right in the in the pen or wherever so i think schedule feeding limiting water to when i allow them to have water it sounds super mean i guess but like they get plenty of water. It's just I'm not going to let them have free run because I don't, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I don't need my dog sucking down a puppy, I should say, sucking down a ton of water. And then a couple hours later, waking me up when I'm trying to sleep, you know, because they have yeah. to go or just going in or, and not waking me up.
0: Right. Or you, and you have a nice morning gift waiting for you. In the kennel. Oh, that's the
1: worst. (laughs) It's the worst. You walk like, so we do the training here and we'll walk downstairs. And you know, if a dog went to the bathroom, thankfully, knock on wood, it's been a long time since that happened. But you hit the, you hit the foyer and the way the air flows, you just go, no, (laughs) no, it hits you as you walk out. (laughs) I mean, I I don't drink coffee or anything. I don't get my caffeine really until after I'm done dealing with the dog. So it's just like, no, I just wanted to let you out and feed you. No joke. No. Yeah. So,
0: um, Again, again, this is, is really important is even like Jake said, even if even if they pee in the house. Right. Then you just catch them if you can, as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't catch them 10 minutes later and think that it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It, you, the time is passed. If you catch them in the act, obviously you have to f- let them finish there. So you don't have to clean up a trail mm-hmm. of pee. Right. Then you say, "Pick no, 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 no. And don't yell. Don't get them scared of you. Don't you know, don't scream at them and just say, no, 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 let's go outside, go outside, get them used to those words. So they associate the word outside with the grass that they're going to be stepping on right when you put them down, mm-hmm. right? It's all about association. So they under, and they will pick it up. If you do that consistently day in and day out, it won't take that long generally mm-hmm. for, for dogs to understand and
1: start <laughs> letting, you know, they got to go outside, right? No, no. It, it, they pick up on it super quick. I, I'm, Thankfully, we've been really successful with our own personal dogs in potty training. Um, the, the biggest struggle we had, I think, was our basset hound. And he, would, he'd, he was really good, except for if he was in his kennel for a long time and he had to pee, he'd pee yeah. on the blanket. And then he'd kick it to the corner of his kennel and then just lay on the hard floor. So the, the solution to that was, OK, bud, I know you can hold it, so I'm just going to take your blanket out. And he's like, well, I don't want to pee on the floor because... I don't want to stand in it. So he learned to hold it. You know, I'm not unfair with how long the dogs are put away for, but I was like, dude, you were in your kennel for like two hours. You can hold it. And he was like, I guess I have to now. (laughs) You guys had that conversation. (laughs) Oh, trust me. I have a lot of conversations with my
0: dogs. (laughs) I do wonder what they
1: think when they see me talking to them. Like, Oh, my dog looks at me like he understands. So I'm going to pretend he does.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The, 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 the rescue that we're
1: fostering, man, he's, Every
0: time he looks at me, he's saying, food, mm, treats, mm-hmm, food, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. treats. <laughs> yep, mine is just, so, hey, let's go do something. Let's play. Let's, I'm bored. Uh, fun time, fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as potty training, so let's really quickly, is it is it fair to say that, I mean, at least this is what happened with us. We've noticed that if we if we run them out every one to two hours, mm-hmm. right, it shortens the duration of the potty training period. Now, is thats that... Is that a fairly accurate statement would you say
1: yeah yeah i think yeah you what your your goal should be is and there's always like things you can read that say what is it every week is in 15 minutes or something that they can hold it i don't even remember what it is but basically whatever but basically what i try to do is you know i'm gonna make you hold it for an hour now make you hold it for an hour and a half and progressively making it longer and longer but at the same time I'm not going to be fixed to a schedule. I don't want to be like every hour I let you out because then the dogs become accustomed to that schedule, right? Like, hey, every hour I go outside and then they never learn to really hold it. Like if a dog is sitting there chewing on a bone and it's been an hour, now I'm going to let you chew on your bone, chill. Relax, yeah, no keeping, joke. You're going to continue to sleep. If you're playing, you're going to continue to play. When you're done, maybe then we'll shoot you out. And maybe that's an hour and 15, hour and 20. And it just, you know, but yeah, you letting them out more frequent What you're doing is you're minimizing the um, accidents in the house and the dog is getting accustomed to basically solely going outside. Of course, that's going to then the dogs gonna go. Yeah, yeah, that's where I go is outside. And so that's when they go to the door. They go wherever and they're like, I got to go out there to do my stuff. So, yeah, definitely letting them out more often helps for sure. I'm not going to always just wait on the dog, but also trying to be a little more flexible and stretching them out if I can. I'll definitely do that.
0: Yeah. So what about walking on leash? You know, again, we've, we've all seen the disasters. I'm sure I'm one of them. Um, <laughs> although I've gotten it down with Winston to where, you know, it works for he and I. And I'm the one that walks him in, in the morning. So but what is what is the best advice for walking on leash? Now, some people will say that you should have your dog by your side the whole time and then this. You know, for me, Winston walks ahead of me. I know that may not be the right thing to do, but he gets his sniffing in. He gets his time and he goes to poop. He does his thing and it just works for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if it's just a thing, but what are, what would you advise as far as
1: new dog or rescue dog, whatever, as far as getting good habits on leash? You know, like you're saying, personally for me, I like to have a dog who heals on my side. However, you know since we've been doing a lot of training and stuff for client dog we learned a long time ago that's not necessarily what's going to make the people happy our goal is always you know what what kind of walking style how do you envision healing with your dog is is healing with you with the dog on your side is healing the dog slightly in front of you you know what is it the the big things i think that help though regardless is is trying to to teach the dog that leash is just there and if you feel pressure on the leash you should slow down or retract back as opposed to pull harder, right? Like a leash, typically when a dog feels pressure, hook your dog up to a leash and see what happens when you throw a treat out in front of them and your dog feels that pressure. What is your dog going to do? A lot of times dogs will just go against that pressure and pull harder and harder and harder because especially when they're puppies, that's what they're allowed to do because puppies are small. So, you know, who cares if the dog pulls? At least that's what people think because they're small and I can just control them. Well, again, that little puppy ends up growing up to be big and significantly stronger and has developed that habit of pulling on a leash. So my big thing is I'll put a dog on a leash and then I reward a dog. And this is this is goes well before even doing like structured healing or even taking my dog for a walk. I do just, hey, when you're on leash, you're with me and I'm going to treat you. And if you try to pull away from me, I'm not going to go with you. You know, I'm just going to let you pull at the end of that leash and just wait. And when the dog finally says, oh, you know what? Pulling on leash isn't working. And they turn back to me. I go back to rewarding them, praising them. So again, the dog learns leash pressure doesn't mean pull harder or pull away. It means, oops, I need to check back in. And it just helps. Whether it's the style that you're talking about where the dog's in front of you, or it's a style where I kind of prefer where the dog's on the side of me. The dog learns if I pull too much, I need to stop. When I feel that pressure, whether it's a collar, a harness, gentle leader, whatever it is, when you feel that pressure, retract back a little bit, come back, and that's going to save people from getting pulled all over the place and, and stuff. And and doing that in conjunction to the socializing that we talked about is going to make a dog who doesn't feel like they need to pull to go somewhere super quick. They're more in it. They're more into the walk because they're walking with you as opposed to in it to, to go somewhere, to go to a destination, to go look for squirrels or, or whatever it might be. So, Right. Oh, that early leash work of just teaching the dog pulling's not going to get you anywhere and take advantage of the fact that they're small. You know, if the dog pulls on leash, just don't move. You, mm-hmm. assumingly, you're going to outweigh that, dog, that puppy by a lot. You know, I assume. Um, right. And so you should have no problems just saying, oh, I'm not moving. You're going to have to just stop pulling if you want to continue to work with me. And it's the only thing that you're going to get that's going to be fun. So we'll just wait you out. So, what
0: about that correction exercise of when they're pulling too much and the turning them the opposite direction, turning around and going the opposite direction of the way
1: they are pulling and wanting to go? Does that really work? I don't see, I don't mind that at all. Um, It's kind of the same concept where you're not rewarding the pulling. You're basically going, well, you want to go that way really bad. Cool, we're going to go this way. And it just, it's kind of the same concept where, like, if you want to go, this way, we're going to go together without you trying to freight train me the whole time. And it, up here in Minnesota, when dogs do that, that's when people end up on their butt and they're getting pulled and they're sliding along the ice and, and we get the phone calls. So I had, I had a dog who's, who's, who did that A gold. I, my example seem to be golden retrievers, uh, golden mm. retriever pulled the owner on the, on the ground. She broke her femur and wow. and I, <laughs> Yeah, her husband was there and saw it, thankfully, and was able to help her, but it's because he saw something in their yard. They live on a farm. He saw something in the yard and pulled and knocked her over, broke her femur. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's
0: that's nasty. So let, what are some um I was gonna say, like, how do how can people start um simple tactics for um for the bad habits? Okay, so And this will vary depending on, I guess what I'm saying is how to be intuitive and how to basically establish and, um, use common sense, if you will, to correct the dog. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure I'd love for you to help people tap into that easier for, for whatever reason, people are just aren't intuitive when it comes to that stuff. So Mm -hmm. my, uh, the dog that I'm fostering, Duke. He is a he's a he's a decent sized boy. He's put on some weight. He's an American bulldog, full American bulldog, um, big boy, sweet dog, all that stuff. But he loves hands. All right, he loves hands. He loves to bite hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's he's he was essentially starving when we got him so mm-hmm. any any anything with food is is our he's got to get it as quick as he can or else it's going to go away mm-hmm. um he's gotten a lot better he knows food's going to be there he's actually chewing his food now um <laughs> but really instead of inhaling it mm-hmm. um which is a good sign <laughs> but duke likes to um the example I want to give is that um he will will be in the yard he'll be he'll walk up behind me and he'll like bite my hand mm-hmm. Like just, I don't know if it's just give me attention, give me food, whatever it is, he'll mm-hmm. bite, bite my hand. It's not hard and it doesn't really hurt, but it's not what you should be doing. It's not what the dog should be doing, mm-hmm. right? And so I've, I've gotten to a point where I said, okay, well, no, I tell him no. And then I say, and then he nudges my hand. He just started nudging. And I, I praise him when he nudges. Sure. And I said, nudging is okay. No biting. Mm-hmm. As if he really understands that. But I think he mm-hmm. understands that because he's he's doing better, mm-hmm. as you said, right? So how do, how do people become a little more intuitive about the bad habits their dog is, is – that the dogs are doing and correct it? For me, that was just common sense to, to praise him for the nudge because he bit – I said no, mm-hmm. and then he nudged, right? And I yeah. said, good boy, and he keeps doing it more and more.
1: Honestly, I think what it just boils down to is, is I always – well, the way I should just say – the way I talk to my clients, I always say, well, make a list of the things your dog's doing that you don't like. Counter cruising, barking, yeah. biting, whatever. And and then I say, okay, write down what your reactions to those are. Like, how do you react to when your, dog, when your dog barks at you? What do you do? When your dog bites you in the hand, what do you do? And a lot of it, people start to realize as they're writing it down, they start to realize, oh, I'm actually to some degree rewarding this, right? So yeah. dog barks at you and you're like, what do you want? Quiet. You acknowledge the dog's doing it or the dog bites your hand and, and maybe – his past life or whatever, when he would bite someone's hand, they would just instinctively just pet him or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just really writing down the things you don't like and sort of dissecting my response to it. And how is my response affecting the, the, what the dog is doing? You know um, I have a dog with me right now who would bark at the owner every time she was on the phone. She'd bark. (laughs) No, she would. She, the dog would bark anytime she was on the phone. And I said, okay, what would you do? And she said, well, to keep the dog quiet, I'd put my hand down there just to keep the dog quiet from the phone. I'm like, okay, well, you see what you're doing. You're, you're, rewarding that behavior. You don't like it. You're trying to get your dog to shut up, totally get it, but you're acknowledging and rewarding that. So my big thing with people is just kind of be a little more proactive in your thinking. You go, okay, well, how am I going to deal with these situations? This is why I like to make lists of, of what my dog, or at least mentally go, okay, my dog does this. This is how I'm going to do it. And being consistent with that, being like, okay, every time, every time the dog bites your hand, you're not acknowledging it or you're telling them no or whatever. And then the dog goes, that's not working and nudges you with the hand like you're doing nudges you. And you're saying, no, that's acceptable. Then that's okay. It's just dogs going back to what you said a long time ago, dogs are, are simple. They do things in might a lot of times they do things because they like it. And it works mm-hmm. and it's rewarding and it brings them pleasure. Well, there's things that bring them pleasure that maybe we don't like the biting of the hand got him to be pet by somebody sometime in his life. Somebody gave him food or pet him when he bit them in the hand. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, yeah, that, that's, I mean, just thinking kind of proactively that. That is how I break a lot of habits is I just, if you're reacting to everything, you're behind the a ball, you're behind it and you're not prepared. And that's when, muscle memory or something from bad habits get, goes into place. Dog barks at you and you touch him. you know? So just have a plan. Try to think. Yeah, more.
0: bro. That is, um, <laughs> it's always the simple things, mm-hmm. right,
1: bro. That is such, that is,
0: I can't believe as, as long as I've had dogs, I've never put that into practice to write it all down. I've never written down the bad things that the dog does and how I react. That mm-hmm. is so And that is so freaking smart, dude. That is really smart. And then it's a matter of, okay, well, you'll figure it out. How long have they been doing it? Well, clearly long enough that it bothers you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, your reaction is their action, your reaction. And then is the habit changing? Mm -hmm. Clearly not. So if the habit isn't changing, then your reaction needs to change because the dog isn't going to without correction. Yeah?
1: Yeah. I mean, correction or... or the way I kind of talk about issues you with issues, if you don't like something your dog is doing, you either need to correct it or ignore it. And yeah, uh, that's right. So, I mean, yeah, maybe if the dog bites your hand, you completely ignore him. And eventually he goes, and then he nudges your hand without you even saying anything. And then he gets rewarded and he's like, Oh, okay. And that, that habit starts to form. He starts to get rewarded for the nudging and not the biting, the biting got him nothing. You know, I've had dogs that you could scream at them till you're red in the face and they like it because that's a tension that they haven't that's had attention. given mm-hmm. whatever their situation is. There was a dog, um, that we rescued. Um, he, he was a uh, six months old and he bit a kid in the face and they were going to euthanize him. And I'm like, well, let me, let me see this dog. And it was this, it was a black lab and he just got overly excited and he was face level with this kid. And I think he open mouth licked him or something, but he bit a kid in the face. No good. And so we ended up taking him and just working with him. And he was a dog who, even though he was six months, he had like this eight week old mentality for one, he was a lab. So he was just happy, bouncy, everything, but he was also a dog where if he jumped on me, cause he wanted attention so bad, if he jumped on me and I would correct him or move into him or do whatever, all of that to him, was rewarding because it was attention he was i called him my basketball i literally could have just pushed him up and down down every time he jumped on me and he would have just came back up he's like yeah attention so what worked for him is i ignored him he jumped on me and i just ignored him i just pretended he didn't exist and before you know it, he sat and looked at me like what the hell and then i started (laughs) giving him everything he wanted it's like (laughs) okay and that was what broke that cycle so yeah it's ignore it or correct it you know if you do the same, you're gonna end up with the same. So doing something different. So see, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm talking about. Your
0: average person getting a dog for the first time doesn't know how simple it can be. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, you, bro, that is that is the that is the big huge one of the big huge takeaways from the show is is what'd you say, ignore it or Yeah. If you don't like a behavior, just ignore it or correct it. Ignore it. Yeah. I mean, that is just, again, it, it doesn't require yelling. Mm-mm. It doesn't require getting pissed off. No. It doesn't require hitting the dog. Don't ever hit the dog. Nope. All right. Nope. And, I mean, that, that's your ignorance if you're hitting
1: a dog. Yeah. And, and so just kind of say something real quick. You mentioned before about uh, um, like being an alpha and stuff like that. I learned how to be a really good leader of dogs, at least within my my house or the dogs that come in, from watching my own dog exist. So our Basset Hound, he's he died like four years ago or so. He was like 12. But mm-hmm. he was alpha of the dogs. He's a Basset Hound, just whatever. But every dog that came in respected him. And you'd have like these... There's this German shepherd who was insane. She'd run over and knock over all these other dogs and be playing really rough. And then she came up to him and she laid down and rolled sideways. And I'm like, what the heck is he telling her? And I just watched (laughs) how he was. And I started to sort of um, mimic in ways how he was. He never, you know, until he got older, he got a little more grouchy when he was older, but I think it was pain stuff. But when he was at the peak of being in the alpha dog, he, he would never, it was all just about how he acted. He was such a cool, even-tempered dog. He'd just walk up to another dog, and the dog would just look at him and be like, mm, you're alpha, okay. He never had to attack them. He never bit them. He was never mean, not unfair. It was just his demeanor, and as a matter of fact, like, if you, if you try to play rough with me, I'm going to bark at you, and you're going to have to back off, you know? But if you give me my space, I give you yours, and I'm totally fair. And so that's how I started to mimic, like, I think the fake alphas are the one, the dogs that are trying to fight everybody, right? You have a dog that, that maybe wants to maybe be in charge, but they're going around attacking everybody. To me, that's just a fake leader. Who's got some insecurity issues. And I suppose you could probably say it's the same with people, right? If yeah. Just, I, was, if I first, was thinking that if man. If a person's <laughs> just walking around beating everybody up, trying to think, you know, act like they're, they're, they're King there. Then they've obviously got some insecurity stuff as well. Um, but just watching how he was, I was like, I need to be like him. I need to be like copper, my basset hound because he's got it. And as soon as I started to do that, man, I I watched, and this was years ago, I watched just how dogs kind of looked at me and dealt with me and worked with me. It wasn't, they weren't afraid of me. They just said, you're in charge. I'm going to listen to you. That's cool. Totally fine. And dogs love that because it just takes the weight off of their shoulder and they know every they know the rules, they know everything. And it just, life just flows so much better.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's a respect thing, right?
1: Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a respect
0: more than anything. And same thing with humans. If I, if, if you respect somebody else, you're not going to do things that violate that respect mm-hmm. and that trust and everything mm-hmm. else. And so
1: it's just the it's
0: invisible lines. And right. it works, and
1: man. And I mean, when I say, res- like you say respect and stuff, it doesn't mean I don't correct a dog. You know, right. your definition of correction could be different than mine, whether it's a collar correction, just pulling on the leash, a squirt bottle, whatever. I'm not doing anything that I find to be unfair. I'm not punching dogs or anything like that. But again, even with corrections, I'm really fair. If you, if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to get corrected. And once you, once you're corrected, as long as you don't continue to do it, we're cool. Back to normal. I kind of have this, like not get mad at a dog, but I'm going to correct you. And I have like no emotion. I don't put emotion into my corrections. It's just like, Oh, you screwed up. Good job. You fixed it. Now we're back to being happy. And people are bad at putting emotion into training. And I mean, I, I, for sure do it. I'm guilty of it. We're all guilty of putting emotion into it. We're all guilty our, of it,
0: man.
1: <laughs> you're training your dog. You're working yeah. with your dog. You're gonna put emotion into it. But I yeah. try when I correct the dog, I don't have emotion to it. It's just like, well, you screwed up. Okay, here's the correction. And now we move on. You know, as long as you're cool or right, good, let's go. And then the dog just goes, Oh, okay, correction doesn't mean my world just ended. It just meant I screwed up. Okay, I'm gonna fix it. And then they just wanna be in that side of you that you're good and happy and everything like that, because that's just way more fun, you know
0: yeah so um I gotta ask you one more thing about mm-hmm. something because man i I've um it probably happens everywhere I, I'm just wondering if it happens a little bit more here in Florida um, every time <laughs> every time I every time I turn around there's a ring notification or a next door notification somebody's dog got out um you know somebody dog bolted for the door or something they're lost blah blah, blah. And, and so how how can is there a is there a, a quick one, two or one, two, three step process for uh, for recall for dogs? In other words, to get your dogs to come back to you mm-hmm. by calling them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing, you're not alone with that. That is not a Florida problem. That is I live in a country <laughs> in Minnesota out in the middle of nowhere and you know, we're on our community groups and Facebook and I swear every four posts is whose dog is this? And it's usually the same handful of dogs, but even in our neighborhood, dogs are running around like it. It's just bad management or people that don't care. I could go into a whole episode rant about that. And I probably have in the past, but um, I think we're going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um But but honestly, the, the first thing I do, and I do this with all our program dogs when they come in for training, is I never let them just on their own, without permission, go through an exterior threshold, sliding door, garage door, front door, whatever. I just don't let them, even my deck, going out onto my deck. I don't just let them let, like, if I open a door that leads outside, I never want my dog to just think I just go through it because that's, that's the biggest issue. And, and you, you read these posts on Facebook. Well, you know, my kid opened the door and the dog ran out. Or my dog jumped on the door and it opened and he got loose. So uh, the first thing before any recall or anything, I always just go, you know what? Just sit and wait. I'll open the door and then I'll let you go through it. I don't care if I go through it first. I don't, to me personally, that doesn't, I know they say, oh, leaders go first, leaders lead, whatever. I honestly don't care. Look, man, you want to go outside. It's. 5 degrees outside. I don't really want to go outside, so I'm going to just sit wait, open the door, tell you you can go outside. We have a fenced yard, so it's all good. I close the door and I watch them in the warmth, you know, as they're running around whatever. But just doing that initially. When it comes to recall, you know, it there's a lot of steps that go into it, but the main thing is is a recall should always be a positive. You should never tell your dog to come to you and then correct them for it. Like if your dog's digging a hole in your yard, don't say come and then when they come, correct them for digging a hole in the yard. Or right. if you, you know, no matter, and I, I tell clients this all the time, I don't care how bad your dog's recall was when your dog finally comes back to you, even if it's been a half an hour or an hour or, or whatever, praise them. Yes. Them. Do something because your dog finally decided, okay, I'll come back to you. You better make it worth it because unless you're using electronics or something like that, you you have to, your dog's not going to just say, well, I'm going to, you know, come back to you well they'll come back to you willingly once they understand it but they're not gonna go well last time you yelled at me so i should probably come back to you they're gonna go no no last time you yelled at me it wasn't fun when i came to you so i'm just gonna stay out here and chase the birds or whatever so keeping it keeping it rewarding keeping it fun add incentives like treats and stuff like that you know become unpredictable in a lot of ways where where you know, when I tell a dog to come, it doesn't mean you're going in the house. Sometimes it means I just want you to come to me and get praised or a treat or a toy. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean because if you, every time you call your dog and it means you're going in the house and you're getting put in the kennel cause I got to go to work or something like that. Your dog's going to go screw that. I'm going to go out here and stay in the yard. It's way more fun out here. I don't want to go to my kennel. So being a little bit unpredictable, I think helps a lot with that as well. And, and honestly, I keep them on long lines until I trust them. Right. If I I have a dog that comes in for training and I'm not able to have the dog come to me or feel like the dog will come to me or the dog wants to play keep away, I'm like, cool. So I have like a 30-foot line and I hook the dog up and I say, you can run the yard. We got a big yard. But you're going to be on this line because when you blow me off, I need to be able to resolve this. And I do. I just walk out, grab the line and go, nope, come on. And the dog finally goes, oh, crap. I guess I can't just play keep away, which is... (laughs) chasing a dog around you know, it doesn't matter how old the dog is. Most dogs are just faster than me. It's just what it is. So I'd rather, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Even my bass, I'm pretty sure my basset hound at his peak performance probably could have outrun me and not. I could do. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, that we actually did something right, man. Cause we
0: did the same thing with Winston. It was, you want to go outside, you know, you come and you sit right by the sliding door mm-hmm. or the regular door or whatever it is. And, you know, you open it slow yeah. and if they react, nope, close it back. Mm-hmm. If they react, close it back until he finally, it doesn't take
1: him that long to learn. Open door. Wait. Look, he looks at you. Okay, go. Yeah. And then they go. It's just rule right? and structure, like rule structure yeah. and being consistent with stuff, man. That's no matter what you're training, what you're doing with your dog. If you're doing those things, you're going to get what you're putting into it.
0: Right. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, me, I have a, like I said, I have a rescue dog here that uh, we're fostering. And, and honest, honestly, since the last time you and I talked, um, no decisions have been made, but I'm not sure my wife is going to be able to let him go.
1: Foster <laughs> fail. Foster <laughs>
0: fail. Yeah. So we might, I don't know. We'll see. She goes back and forth on the daily, man. So <clears throat> I don't know. But he's becoming a better dog by the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on that. How's that? <laughs> so that said... Let's let's make the case for getting a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I love all dogs and and but and I want every dog to have a great home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there are so many great dogs in rescues and shelters that are looking for their forever homes. Some have been there a while, and I hate even talking about it, man, because I, I actually get emotional about this stuff. And mm-hmm. but there is a negative stigma that's associated with these rescue dogs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Let's let's be honest about it. Right. We, we know it's not their fault. Right. But that doesn't change the fact that the stigma exists to the average unknowing person who's thinking about getting a dog and, and or what have you. And so, I mean, what would you say to people who aren't even willing to entertain the thought of getting a rescue dog
1: due to that stigma? Honestly, I think so. The stigma, in my opinion, the stigma is formed and I'm not throwing blame completely but it's it's some rescues and there's a lot of rescues i've worked with that are absolutely awesome some rescues Mm -hmm. are way more looser on who's allowed to take certain dogs you know and i'm not talking about specific breeds i'm just saying certain dogs in general like oh well this dog likes to jump fences or whatever you don't have a fenced yard well it's okay just keep them tied out you know whatever and so i think that to me is a big one the, the, but I think the reason sometimes rescue gets a bad rap is because we as as people again we're putting so much emotion into rescuing a dog. Oh, we're saving this dog's life, and you are. But you're saving this dog's life. You're doing whatever that we we sometimes look at a dog and we just look at the face, we look at the eyes, and we're like the dog. Oh, he needs us. We're not looking at the temperament of the dog. We're not looking at is this going to be a good match, you know? And so. Then what ends up happening is you get these, these foster dogs or these dogs that that go into new homes and they just don't mesh well, whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is. You have someone who lives in an apartment and there's a dog that needs a lot of exercise and it just, it's not good. But the person adopted the dog because they saw it online and they saw the face and they fell in love with the image of the dog and the thought of owning this dog and not really digging deeper into it. I think if people take a step back when they're selecting dogs and go, is this dog actually a really good fit for me? That narrative of rescue dogs is going to change really fast. Where suddenly we're putting dogs into the right homes and not doing it on the second or third try when the dog gets returned and returned and returned, you know. Um, and like during COVID, we saw that a ton because for a, at least for up here, there weren't even enough dogs to to satisfy the people wanting dogs. So what was happening with mm-hmm. people were just getting dogs for the sake of getting a dog and not looking at the dog they were getting. That's why there was a big turnover after when COVID starting to loosen up or after a little bit, people went, "Oop, this dog doesn't work. And they gave it back. The reason they took the dog is because the list was short and that's what was available, which I think is just a foolish thing to do. You need to make sure it's a good fit, but people who aren't wanting to get rescues, you know, you just want to know why, you know, and people can give you really good reasons. Personally, for me, um, You know, we're not opposed to rescuing, but we have so many goals and sports stuff and these different things we do with dogs that I need to start a dog from eight weeks old in order to, in my opinion, the way I train to obtain kind of where we're going with our with our goals. Not to say a rescue couldn't do it, but, you know, getting that that puppy and being able to kind of work it through in the style I need it to be worked in um, is ideal. But, you know, I, I think. Again, that that stigma, it, it needs to just change. And I think the way it changes is through rescues really doing a good job at, at vetting out who the dogs are going to, people being realistic. You know, again, I, I like that online is there to help people shop for dogs. You know, they, they can look at Pet Finder or wherever. I don't even know where people look. Right, right. And they see all these dogs. But I almost feel like, and pictures are important, of course, but I almost feel like they should be sent the picture of the dog after they read what the dog is about. Like read the attributes, read what this dog is like, is like, this is what he likes to do. This is what he's good at. This is what he's bad at. And then you can reach out and then, okay, we'll send you a picture of the dog, something like that. Because too many times people look at that picture and they go, well, that's the dog I want to get. And then it right. just backfiring on them. So if we can change that, I think we change the whole mentality of, of rescuing. And I think more people will do it because the success rate is even higher.
0: Yeah. Well, first off, um, because I work with them, you know, very closely. So shout out to coastal boxer rescue in South Florida here. Cause they do a great job mm-hmm. and they make sure, um, they do great vetting and, and they really have a, a heart for, for placing dogs to the right families. Um, again, they,
1: they do it right for sure. Yeah, the, it, and so shout out, shout out to them. Yeah. The breed specific, there's a lot of breed specific rescues, that I think do a really good job. They understand the breed that's in front of them and situations that maybe aren't ideal for that breed in general. So yeah, no mm-hmm. I can breed specific ones. They're really they're really good. I mean, I've dealt with rescues that rescue all types of dogs that are awesome as well. But there's rescue. There's so many rescues out there. There's obviously going to be some that just aren't great. You know. I just had a conversation yeah. with someone on on Facebook that and it's been going around in my in my group of there was a, a dog that has two live bites, two two human bites, and it just got adopted out again for the third time. It bit someone got returned, bit someone got returned. And the dog isn't friendly, but it just got adopted out again to a family with kids. And I'm like, what, what oh, are goodness. you doing? Like Right. Yeah, what do you, I mean that it's <laughs> that so makes no sense like, whatsoever. Yeah. But then, of course, what's going to happen is this dog's going to bite a kid, and and you know, and, and sadly, I, I I love all breeds. It's it's a it's a pity mix, and it's going to add that negative association to the breed, which isn't going to help things. And I mean, I've been bit by golden retrievers more than God. I keep picking on golden retrievers.
0: I've been That's bitten okay. <laughs> by golden
1: retrievers more than I've been bitten by any other dog. And um, yeah, but yeah, it's just you, you put dogs in bad situations and you know it, bad things will definitely happen so you just have to be have to be careful with that and just be safe so how do okay so somebody wants a the
0: dog they're shopping etc mm-hmm. i mean how do people determine that fit right w- without actually taking the dog in mm-hmm. Because you know, as well as I do the, the, whether it's pet finder and, and, or the rescues putting them up, or whatever mm-hmm. they're going to do everything they can possibly do to make that dog look shiny and pretty and beautiful and awesome and, and everything else to adopt it out. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do people, how does, how does the consumer determine that fit quickly?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I feel like when you're, when you're on Petfinder you're looking for a dog, whatever description you have. I associate it to like someone who's selling a house like realtors, like realtor speak when they say, Oh, it, it's quaint. It means it's small, right? Like, like, right. <laughs> the, the hidden language, right? Right. Right. right, the right. Code, code language. Yep. Instant equity means probably or whatever it needs to be, what it worked on anyways. But, but just spending time with the dog and just seeing like, how's the dog react to you? How's the dog react to your kids? If they're there, those type of things you can do really quick. And, and see what is dog when you step into the room, what does that dog do when they see you? If the dog cowers to the corner and needs a minute and you have kids, maybe that's especially if you have young kids, maybe that's not going to be the best fit because kids don't have that switch where they're like, OK, I'll stay back here and wait. They're going to go into that dog because they see a dog uh, and they want to touch it. You know, so right. you're always just I kind of go off of my gut. You know, if I see a dog that's super shy, that people mistake shyness for sweetness. Oh, look how sweet or Mm. the dog is maybe under socialized, maybe shy. And, and I would say just getting, do a lot of research, reading, learning body language, things like that. And there's a lot of stuff out there, um, material wise that talk about body language to truly understand it. Because like I said, certain things can be, can look like other things, you know, the dog, the dog, you know, comes up to you and is super soft and stuff. And and yeah, you might say, well, the dog was sweet. And I get that a lot when people pick puppies out. Oh, I picked out the sweetest one. And he actually picked out the one that was the least confident. Um, and now you're seeing it as the dog starts to develop. Um, but learning the body language of dogs and being able to sort of apply it. And I listen to what rescues tell me. When a rescue says, hey, the dog has does this, this, and this, I'll listen to them. But that's not the end all, the be all, end all. I want my own opinion as well. Because they're kind of biased. Sometimes they're biased because they have relationships with these dogs, you know, and they, and they want Mm -hmm. for these dogs. Like if I'm picking a dog out from a breeder, I just, I'll go and I run my own tests. I do my own stuff to make sure that the breeder can tell me all they want about these dogs. I'm going to develop my own opinion as well. Um, Just because sometimes what the breeder sees isn't necessarily what's actually happening or it's just a little different than maybe they think.
0: Yeah. So, all right. And, and the, the next thing is, is kind of a shift, but um, I just, I don't know, man. I just think that, I, I think the reason I, I decided to p- put this next topic in here is, is to just to kind of help people see th- other things and, and hopefully have a contextual picture of different things. And so I want to. I want your opinion on something, man, because this is. I think we actually had this conversation already, and I, mm-hmm. I've spoken to a few people in in the system about it. Um, but I mean, what can besides the obvious answer, which is obviously just an influx of money on, on an ongoing basis, mm-hmm. right? I mean, what can be what can be done to improve the current shelter slash rescue system, if you will, or ecosystem? Um, because it's a mess, bro. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I know you have a, like me, we, we both have a huge heart for these dogs and we just hate, like, we hate seeing the carnage that happens. I I just, I, I, I would have 20 dogs in the house if I wouldn't be in the dog house myself, Mm -hmm. right? Because my wife, but, um, what can we do as individuals, right? Whether we have dogs or not to help improve this again, no offense to anybody, but it's, it's not really the most successful type systems mm-hmm. ecosystem. I mean,
1: like you said, obviously, money. that's a long story. My, I know. Right. A long. <laughs> I mean, like, like you said, I obviously know. money, money's always a thing with, with fosters. Cause vetting, everything's expensive. Um, feeding is right. expensive in my perfect world. Fo- uh, rescues would be able to, to vet out their foster people better. Um, we deal a lot with, with, people who are fostering dogs and some of them are less than ideal um, unfortunately we're seeing the volume of people willing to foster going down um, because partly because of of maybe fosters putting or rescues putting dogs into the wrong home and the person who was fostering the dog for a long time seeing that dog fail and fail and fail and then whatever happens after that um, I think just education to some degree, maybe, maybe there needs to, maybe a rescue needs to say, okay, we're going to let you be a foster, but you need to go through this training video sequence of some sort. I don't know. Um, so that they're all on the same page, you know, we've, we've dealt with fosters who let the dog sleep in bed with them all the time. They abandon or don't work on crate training. You know, I I think crate training is, is a necessity. And I know a lot of people who get dogs, um, want that crate training as well. And if the dog can't be crated at all, especially if it was something it could do, and then the foster ended up kind of ruining it, ruining it, we just have to be careful. So I, I, I would say definitely making sure the fosters are up to par, you know, and not overwhelming them, you know, and that's the hard part. We don't have a lot of fosters. So they're taking on, like you said, you'd take on 20 dogs, but my God, like, it'd be a zoo and, and, and you wouldn't be able to put as much into each individual dog to help them get to their next stage or next step in life, you know, and, and that's unfortunately what's happening is a lot of fosters are, are, are taking on too much. They're taking on five, six dogs at a time. And realistically it should be one, two dogs at a time, you know? So that's, to me, the big fix would be, we need to get people to step up and be more willing to foster um, take the time to understand, don't understand what's best for your situation. When you're fostering the dog, understand what's going to get this dog adopted. You know, stop, you know, you like dogs sleeping in bed with you. Cool. But let's just say, you know what, crate training is going to be more valuable. Let's do that instead. Or, you know, or I know you're fine with the dog jumping on you, but a lot of people don't want the dogs to jump on them or guests when they come. So let's make sure we're not allowing this dog to jump or pull on leash or whatever um, not putting in these bad habits that are going to affect it. We need to have the mindset of when we get these dogs in, we're going to keep them alive, keep them safe, but let's set them up. If we have the time and energy, let's set them up so that when they go to this next home, they're hopefully their forever home. It's going to be so much easier and a higher likelihood that they're going to succeed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, um, I don't know. I, and I hate to, I don't want to, I don't like to judge anybody or, or, throw stones and, and, and it may seem like I'm doing that. I'm not trying to, but I just think that I, I just wish that we weren't such a self-centered society, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> everybody's out for themselves. And again, that's not everybody. That's, you know, just a lot of people so many people mm-hmm. that if, if they were less self-consumed, they could probably open their hearts and homes up to a dog to rescue. And then the population of the rescues, and then the shelters would just decrease dramatically, and every dog would have a home. And I know I'm getting idealistic, and <laughs> yada yada yada. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I I wish there was more I could do right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I do, and um, I just, um,
1: what were you gonna say? Well, Bob? I was gonna say I also think getting away from from even rescue, because where do the rescues come from? They come from well a lot of your mixed breeds it comes from accidental breedings it comes from from whatever i think trying to educate people on on you know how to keep your if your female comes in season what do you need to do to make sure this stuff doesn't happen um Mm -hmm. talking about spaying or neutering or or even just educating people on not supporting bad breeders you know what you know and that's again that's a huge long conversation and, and obviously you know what i consider a bad breeder might not be the same as somebody else but but if we continue to reward through buying puppies on the cheap or, or or whatever it it, they're going to end up, it's going to keep it going and this and the system keeps going and rescues get filled with more and more dogs. You know, I know reservations and stuff like that. A lot of dogs come from that and they're doing a lot where they're trying to set up spay and neuter um, things, at least around us. They are, which is great. They're, Mm -hmm. They're trying to do what they can, but I mean, we need to educate people more and more about what to look for red flags so that we're not supporting bad breeding to at least start to take away from that aspect of it. I don't think, you know, putting any like laws in place is necessarily beneficial because what the government would say is a, a poor breeding could be good. It just doesn't fit their, their standard. I think we just need to say, hey, look at these certain red flags, look at conditions of the, where the puppies are living and stuff like that and don't emotion buy. You know, whether you're rescuing or foster, yeah. or rescuing or buying from a, a, a breeder, don't emotion buy. Don't look at the dog and go, "It's so cute, I'm going to take it home." Like, take the cuteness away and just look at the animal. Right, right, and and let the cuteness be icing on the cake, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, when I yeah, when I when I looked for a dog, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting off subject a little bit. When I was looking for, a no, dog, please, I was like, I'm looking for workability. So like, we went to the breeder, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can test the dogs, do whatever you want. So. We were working through all the dogs and especially the first, the first dog we got, this was probably over 10 years ago. Now um, I actually ended up picking out what would be considered probably the ugliest one, but his traits, everything that he, we were testing for, he was just hitting on and we're like, he may not be the cutest one. He was a puppy. So he was so cute, but yeah, he may not course. be the cutest one, but man, in the end, he's going to give us everything we need. And how many dogs are ugly dogs, but because of the way the dog is, people love that dog. They, he's so ugly. He's cute. Whatever you want to say. Mm. I think in the end, cuteness wears off that personality and everything that's so much more important than looks. You know, you'll, you'll learn to love your dog regardless if they're a good dog, you know, but like cuteness mm. eventually you look at the dog and you're like, you're cute, but God, you're, you're a butt, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, man, I don't know. I, I would, um, it's a good thing I'm not in charge. Cause I, I would, I would level, man, I would level hard sentences for like puppy mills mm-hmm. and for uh dog fighting rings. And I mean, I'm, I'm giving you 10 years right then and there, bro. Right. Right. Like, it, it, you know, you're there, you're at the ring, you're fighting the dogs, you, you guilty, you get your day in court. That's fine. We have our system, but there's not really much you're going to be able to do. Oh, right. You know, yep. get your ass 10 years in there. I mean, it's just, and for people. And again, I'm, I'm from the south, so I, I don't. I know this is not going to be liked by everyone, but um, dogs living in the backyard, chained on the up to a tree or a stake or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry, man.
1: I, I just, I just don't think that people who who let their dogs live like that should be allowed to have them. I just don't. No, they're pack animals. Man. They want their people. They want their pack, and when they're left alone, that's when they can be physically destructing destructing to themselves destructive to themselves you know chewing on feet doing different things like that or or lashing out over over stimulation when somebody finally comes to give them attention and then it's just that circle that repetitiveness where dog sees you you come out to say hi they jump all over you they're crazy and you're like that's why i'm leaving you out here and you leave and you come back and it happens again it's because right they want to be with their people and they just they yearn it. it it's what they want that's what they want,
0: and and like I said, we said dogs are very simple creatures. They don't require that much, and if you just put in a little effort at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Some dogs require a little more than others. That's fine, <laughs> but you treat them like you, you, if it, I think I think the mentality should be that they that they're family members. Mm-hmm. That's me personally. Yeah. I, I, they're not your property. They're not you know so, an ornament that you're hanging out on the tree in the backyard. It, it, it's just. They're not your property, right? They are living, living, breathing dogs who, man, they just, they bring so much joy into our lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They really, really, on a daily basis, like hourly basis so many times, you know, I had a, had a boxer, his name was Dallas, and um, he he lived to be 10 and a half, and uh, he had uh, DM, uh, degenerative myelopathy, mm-hmm. right, where- Poor thing. It's just a progressive disease where they lose use of their back legs. Um, and we did everything to try to slow the process down. I mean, doggy acupuncture, you know, like we did everything that we could, medications and all that kind of stuff, man. But um that dog, holy smokes. I was looking back on it after he died. He was 10 and a half. And when I really just put some thought into it, I'm like, man, that dog just by being himself like he was just himself he taught me so much mm-hmm. like he really did he taught me a lot he actually taught me about love if you can believe it or not and and his him just being there and just being who he was helped me be more loving to my wife mm-hmm and and just i don't know how he did it and i can't give you all the details but i just that's what he did and it just it just dawned on me
1: you know mm-hmm. empathy it's it's dogs are really good at, at teaching especially with kids but it's, it's that empathy like you just you, you could have someone who's the most selfish person in the world who only cares about themselves and then they get a dog and i swear that all of a sudden they're like i'll do anything for this dog you know? especially mm-hmm. again coming from a trainer when you do it right when you, when you socialize and you train and you get that dog just zeroed in, you know, to, to how your life is and, and living with you, there's just so, there's so much value in having them there with you for sure. They teach us a ton of stuff, but yeah, I think empathy is the biggest one where you just, you learn to care more for others. And that, I mean, that's, I think happened with me. That's happened with a lot of people. You're just like, you know, the first dog we had, I was that way. Copper, our basset hound, was that way. Now the dog we have now, good Lord, he's going to be seven in march and I, pff, that dog is unreal like i love that dog probably too much but <laughs> it's not going to be easy when he goes but my god it's like the things i'll do for him and 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 it just it helps me as a trainer i think and yeah. i'm like yeah if you love your yeah. dog even half as much as i love my dog i totally get where people come from when they have issues or whatever it's
0: just yeah and and that that's a That's a whole nother topic for (laughs) our show, maybe on on dealing with the grief. This will get six hours if we go too deep. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's horrible, but I mean, yeah. yeah. So I don't know, man, I, I, I think, and you just alluded to it really, you just talked about is that the dogs can, can actually help change people Mm -hmm. like they can. Um, I'm curious. I mean, like you told me a little bit about, like the inmate program Mm -hmm. with the dogs, Mm -hmm. man, tell me more about that. Cause that sounds very interesting. And it's, it sounds like it's really, it sounds like dogs are helping to change people through that, through
1: that, that, um, that, uh, program. Yeah. So, so I did it for about five years. I want to say four or five years. It ended up, the program ended, Uh, When COVID hit, because they they basically said any any extra curricular, anything that would bring people into the prison, if we can stop it, we're going to stop it. And so what I was doing is once it started out twice a week. And then as I started training the offenders more and more, I went to once a week because I started trusting these guys are are able to handle it. Um, I'd come in and I would train with them and they would have a foster dog that would be staying with them in their cell, in their room with them. And living their life, it would it would be around other people. It would go outside um, and all that. And and like w- what I just mentioned about empathy, that was something a lot of these talking to a lot of the prison guards and the people who were kind of on the inside running the program. That was something that some of these some of these offenders just didn't have or didn't really know how to 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 love or care for something um, like that. And having that foster dog, all of a sudden, you see these guys who were gang leaders outside of of prison, suddenly now they just care about this dog and what's best for this dog. And they want to make sure the dog's going to a good home and really taken care of and and just that empathy they were learning. It was just it's absolutely amazing. And and it, it did help change a lot of people. And and personally I think it changed my opinion on some of the people. This was a level four prison. So in Minnesota, it's probably it was a federal prison. So level four prison meaning there were some pretty bad things that people did to get in there, especially for life. And, um, Mm. and I mean, just watching how having a dog, they cared for that dog more than they cared for other people. It seemed like they, if someone, I mean, we're still talking about people who did some bad things. So like if somebody started to, to do something inappropriate to the dog, not bad, but like letting them jump up or something, these guys would be all over it, you know, and it would be teaching them like, you, hey, hey, no, nope, we don't do that. We have to do this. And they would they would get really defend. They defend the dog quite a bit. And and watching I, we talked about this before um, there was a dog that came into the program and it was like I want to say it was 10. I still can't remember the age of the dog. And I've been thinking about it since we talked about it. I think the dog was 10 years old and the, it was surrendered because the owners wanted to travel more. They're like we, to, oh, we're, we retired. We want to travel, so this dog we, is not part of our life anymore. That I mean is, is beyond pissed me off. But watching yeah. how lock them people up too, man. right? I said lock them up too. <laughs> watching how the offenders took that news, they're like they just abandoned this dog. It was mm-hmm. like you could just see what you you see these guys who are super hardened, and they you know they just have to put on the show. You see them soften a little bit and you're like, okay, so that's who you really are. Like you can kind of see the person who's not the one that's trying to be look tough in prison. It's a person who actually is showing that empathy and feeling bad for that dog and kind of angry at the people for dumping the dog. And, and it's just awesome. And and I know some of these guys, I wish I could see how they are now. Some of the guys that got released, yeah. I wasn't allowed to. To they weren't allowed to know who I was outside of, of prison. Obviously, oh, okay. I don't need them coming to visit me. Um, Afterward, <laughs> <laughs> these guys were all people who earned, who earned um, the ability to be in this program. It was a very coveted program. Like people wanted to be in the foster dog program, um, and. And so these guys were good behavior candidates and stuff. And every once in a while they'd have to send the dog to another offender because this offender did something wrong and lost his privileges. But, um, you know, I just kind of wish I'd like to see them now and s- talk to them and see, you know, talk. did that process change you? Did that process, yeah. you know, what did it do for you long term? And just because just it felt like I felt like it definitely helped them out in in their, in their lives and, and just kind of coming, becoming better humans, you know, and even the one, even the ones who weren't getting out, there was one guy who was, I don't think he was ever getting out and he was kind of my eyes inside there. He'd come to me and he was a gang leader outside of, of, of prison. And, and he got back, he was in and out of prison for a while when he was super young and now he's in for life for, I don't even I didn't even ask, but, um, he, he was my eyes in there and he's like, Hey, these guys are doing this. I don't know if you like that. This is how they're training it. And I'm like, okay, I'll just go talk to them and just see what they're doing. And, and he kind of ran the show when I wasn't there. And it was, it was awesome just to see these people be able to, to learn. And they talked about how do we become certified trainers and doing all this stuff. And I just sent them a lot of books and things like that to be able to educate on how to be good dog trainers. So it was an awesome thing. It was an awesome program. I'm bummed it ended, but you know, it, the COVID was stupid for a lot of reasons. And that was one of the ones too, is it just, it just kind of yep. broke that program and it never really got back up and running here. I think it's other States and stuff have it going again, but the foster here, I don't even know. That was one of those fosters. I wasn't biggest fan of, but I liked the program they were doing. So I was helping them. Um, yeah. I don't even know what they're doing anymore for fostering if they're still around. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so,
0: you know, the, the goodness of dogs. I, I, I remember, tell me, I, I think you had a story of, I don't, I'm not sure if we got to the whole thing or not, but, um, I know that there are dogs that actually help veterans mm-hmm. with, um, you know, social disorders, PTSD, PTSD, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do
1: they, I mean, how does that happen? So I, uh, I, I, we foster, well, I mean to foster, we did puppy raising for a, a, an organization in Minnesota called Can Do Canines. Um, and it's nationwide, whatever, but we did a, a, a fostering, I keep calling it fostering, puppy raising for them, where we took this eight week old lab, black lab, we raised him for a while. And after a year and a half of being with us, then he went back to the program to be fitted with his person, whether it be, uh, uh, I think for him, it was mobility assistance. We also trained a Yorkie in the same in the same situation. He was hearing assistance and he was mobility assistance. He'd take the person's socks off and bark when the when the, the door rang or the phone went off or something like that. Um, oh wow. What we found and this is just how we train. We put a lot of of I say, don't put emotion into your correction, but I do put a lot of emotion into my training where it's like, I love these dogs. And I know personally for my wife, when we had to send them back to the program, it was really hard. It was almost like we lost a dog. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we, we decided, you know, we're going to, we want to continue to help. So the way we started helping is I would, I would go and do training. Anytime there was a person with a dog in our area, I would go train with them um, to make sure that that new owner and their dog were working together. The dog was performing the skills needed and can do canines started getting into like working with veterans, PTSD, all these different things. And watching, there was one dog in particular. Uh, I don't remember the guy's background. Maybe it was Vietnam. I can't fully remember now, but he had some very big social disorders where he he thought people were not out to get him, but people were talking about him. All the, he lived out, out up north of me more and there's not a lot up there. And so when he go to the grocery store, he's like, oh, that manager doesn't want me here. The manager yeah. had nothing, didn't say anything. Um, they'd actually go out of their way to like say hi to him and to, to him. That was them insulting. Again, he had some social stuff going on. So he got this dog and when he got this dog, it was amazing watching him, the dog was able to help him inside the home. When the phone rang, he'd walk over, get the phone because the guy was having progressively more and more debilitating issues popping up um, to where he'd need to be in a wheelchair uh, eventually. And so the dog would help him with those things. But the big impact for me was watching how this guy came out of his shell and became more, I hate the term normal, but just, he just, was part of society those thoughts that he was having before kind of went Mm -hmm. away because now he's walking with a buddy he's got his friend with him he's got this support system with him and the dog didn't really do anything in particular in the stores except be with him you know he was Mm -hmm. a service dog at home but he was more emotional support out in the community and i actually feel like that emotional support was the bigger thing at the time for me watching all of that watching how he'd go into the store walk around with that dog and it was almost like he was proud You know, he's like, I've got this dog, I've got this, this sidekick, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, people would still come up and talk to him and he, he dealt with that a lot better. And I know his, his staff lady that was coming and helping, she was, she even made mention of how like his eyes are different. Like he's, he's happier. He's more confident. He's got something to do. Like dogs are really good at giving us purpose. Mm -hmm. Now it's not just you. And for him, it was just him. And so he kind of was able to live in his shell, in his bubble, and and these thoughts and stuff he had would pop up. But then he got this dog, and he loved this dog, and it made him have to go out and walk the dog. It made him have to do certain things, and it pushed him out of his shell and just helped him out an absolute ton. And it was a really cool story, um, you know, just to, to be able to hear even when we were done working with him. But just watching the process, like he had to trust me and he had issues trusting me at first, but watching how the dog liked me. Well, if the dog liked me, then he liked me. So it was, it's so cool watching how dogs can bring better out of people or help people. I mean, that's why they're great service dogs. That's why they're great emotional support animals that, you know, people try to use chickens and turkeys and pigs and everything else. But man, I think dogs just can't be, you can't, you can't do it. Dogs. Dogs are where it's at, like emotional support cat, maybe when the cat wants to, and that's probably 10 (laughs) minutes a day max.
0: An emotional support chicken?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you could, people are bringing those on planes. I need this. This is my service chicken or my service. God, there was a, somebody had a peacock. Someone had a small (laughs) pony, one of those like little tiny ponies. Wow. You know, it's, it's amazing what people, um, Wow you know what if it helps people
0: I to guess. live better
1: lives cool i don't get it i don't know about chickens they just don't come across as intelligent to me but probably someone listening who's who loves chickens is probably calling me an idiot right now because now they're the smartest animal alive or something i don't i don't right i don't eh, to each their own <laughs> i don't
0: know so that really quickly uh, that veteran who that you just spoke about um so this dog was not specifically trained to help paranoia, right? It sounds mm-hmm. like this guy had, had a lot mm-hmm. of paranoia going on, extreme paranoia. So there's really, is there any really training for that? But I mean,
1: the, he wasn't trained for that. No, the only, but he's still, yeah. the only thing the dog did. So he would have night terrors. The, the guy would have night terrors. Okay. And what the dog yeah. learned is when the owner started to make noise or fidget, the dog would jump up and, and put pressure on him. Um, like oh. a weighted blanket kind of has that, yeah. Yeah. Um, he would, he would act as that comforting thing. That alone is kind of what I think really bonded them is when he would have yeah. those those episodes, the dog was there to support him. Um, it's the training of it. That to me, the training is, is actually really easy to do. You just, it's a cue, right? So like the dog, the, the owner starts making certain noises, start making certain movements and the dog just cues onto that to come up and lay down. Um, you know, so he was, that's kind of how he handled those situations, but just the dog being confident. And this goes back to, I I know I've said this a few times doing that socializing stuff with them the right way, doing the training the right way, having good rules, good, 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 you know, habits, everything with your dog, that confidence that that dog had in any situation made that guy confident in almost any situation. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. Absolutely huge.
0: Man, That is huge. That is, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is really, man, it's, and the dogs, they know, like once, once they're around you for a little bit, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they know when something is wrong mm-hmm. and they'll start, you'll, you'll start acting as if something's wrong or something wrong with you, buddy, you know, something wrong with you. No, they're just, they're trying to mm-hmm. comfort
1: you. They're being close to you. They know something's wrong with you. Yep. They can detect you know? a lot of different things, whether it's odor, like, you know, when things change in our body, we emit a certain odor, they can pick up on it so fast. Diabetes, things like that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're, they feed in onto that stuff so yeah it's it's super cool what these dogs are able to do it's absolutely amazing and and watching the people's lives uh transform because of it and just become more than they thought they could ever be is it's awesome it's sad that there's a long waiting list um for service dogs through can do canines they do it they they give you the dog for free um because buying a service dog is tens of thousands of dollars i mean you're paying twenty thousand dollars or more and and You know, it's, it's a huge thing, but so they give the dogs for free. There's Patriot assistant dogs. That's up by me. Um, they do the same thing. They, they get dogs in, they train them and then they donate them to a veteran that needs a service dog of some kind. So there's, it's good, Mm but there's not enough of them because there's a lot of people who could use them. And the waiting list is just, it's just long. It's, it sucks, but at least some people are getting help from it. And and that's kind of how I have to look at it. Yeah,
0: if if only we could
1: do what we want to do, (laughs)
0: everything we want to do, right? Right. Um, So, Jake, as we start to wrap up here, man, I want to ask you this one question to sum it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is in anything; this it's just your own your answer here. And so, if if um, if you could leave the audience with just one thing that they could start doing right now, that would set them
1: on the path to becoming undeniable what would that one thing be i guess it would be kind of the way i kind of take life as well is is be okay with failing be willing like Mm -hmm. with with my dog training man i've I've, we've been doing this for over 15 years now and and we've made mistakes i've learned i'm never i never stop learning As soon as you stop learning, that's when I feel like you're gonna have a hard time in life. Um, But just being willing to fail, um, but keep going, not accepting that that's just how it is. A lot of people I see now, when they hit that bump in in their life or in their dog training, they're just like, oh, and it just beats them down so much, they just can't come out of it. Just be okay with it. And understand that everything's a process. Life's a process. Dog training's a process you know, you're going to have your successes. You're going to have your failures. And as long as you're seeing slow progress, I don't care if it's micro tiny little bits of progress. If you can say, Hey, that's better than it was yesterday or a week ago or a month ago, take that and just Mm. take that and own that and be like, I'm making progress. You know, it's like for me, weight loss, right? Like I'm a bigger guy. So, you know, I try to lose weight. Well, I lost a half a pound in a month. Well, that ain't nothing, but you know what? It's something. And so I take that as, as, as success. And I just use it to fuel me forward. And if I fail, if Christmas comes along and I eat a little too much and I gain a little too much, well, you know what, I guess I'm just going to have to lose it again. You know? Um, so don't, nothing has to be perfect. Dog training doesn't have to be perfect. Just stay on your path and, and keep pushing through to me. That's, that's what'll help. That's what's helped me. And that's, I think what help would help a ton of people just have that mindset. Just go. Yeah.
0: Jake, how can people connect with you, man? Um, how can uh, whatever avenues, channels you you want people to be able to reach out to you for whatever it may be, whether it's just questions or maybe even to uh, seek some of the services that you offer? How can people connect?
1: So we uh, have a Facebook page. We have our podcast Facebook page, which is a Learn, Laugh, Bark podcast. We talk about anything dog related, a lot of training stuff on there. There's really good advice on there. Um, that's We have that on Facebook. We also have our um, On Dog Training Academy. That's our business that's on Facebook. That's on Instagram as well. Uh, on there, you can... we Right now, we posted it or we, we put it up, I think, in early December. We have a, a free webinar that kind of talks about a little bit what we touched on with rules, consistency, being proactive mm-hmm. instead of reactive. It We go in. It's about an hour long. We go really in-depth into kind of... You know, a lot of these different things just to help have a better house dog, a better all around dog. And that's on our on dog training academy website under uh, on demand, you'll see it says free webinar, you can click on that. But we're on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, people can find us there, they can visit our website on And, you know, we do one on one coaching and stuff as well, if people need it virtually, and, and it's kind of a neat setup we have. So um, we're reachable, we're definitely around and, you know, people can just, hit us up if they have any questions or, or anything like that, you know, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we are, we are going to be linking
0: all of these channels and links, everything into the show notes so that you can easily access them and reach Jake. Um, also one more thing, Jake, can you, um, uh, give people the name of the podcast show again? Cause I want people to be able to think of you as of, of your show as a great resource for information on dogs and everything else, so please put it out there again. Again, it'll be in the show notes too. But
1: what is it called? Again? It's called Learn Laugh Bark. I probably say it too fast, so that's that's good that I have to repeat it anyways. Yeah, Learn Laugh Bark podcast. It's everywhere I could possibly post yep. it. Every podcast, awesome out there. So we're around. You just gotta yep. search for it. And we're there.
0: Yep, give it a listen, guys. I'm telling you, give it a listen. Give it a review. Give it a share. And get the message out there, and and because it's always man, isn't it always just about knowing and education? Isn't it always about that? How many times? Really? I mean, I
1: can't even tell you how many times that that someone's like, "Oh, you're more training us than the dog." Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's one hundred percent true. I mean, exactly. yeah, we're training you more than the dog. The dog is just there, ready to take in whatever you want to train them. We're just there to show you how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake, I really, man, I appreciate
0: you spending this time with me today. It was absolutely educational. Like I said, it would be in the very beginning of the show. Man, there were some so many great highlights and so many great takeaways. And I just, man, I really hope people take the value you've provided here, the undeniable value that you've provided here and and, and apply it because it will change the relationship with the dog. It will change. And, and they should feel empowered now to actually – Go get a dog. Go rescue a dog. Go rescue a dog. Seriously. Just especially if you don't have any other dogs or whatever, go rescue one. Mm-hmm. So much value, so much joy.
1: And and you'll be doing something good for them as well. So, Jake, thank you so much, bro. I appreciate having you here. Bro. Yeah, thank you. Anytime I'm able to talk about dogs, and we talked about a lot of different thought stuff. It was fun. <laughs> so I appreciate you letting me come on. Absolutely. It it I it won't it won't be the last
0: if you're open to coming back later. Always, of course. Awesome. All right, thank you, bro. Appreciate yeah, you. We'll see you. All right, well, that is it for this episode. I hope that it brought some authentic value into your life. If you didn't hear any nuggets that were undeniably valuable to you, then something is wrong with you because clearly you were not listening. All right, so before you go listen to another episode, pay the toll so we can roll. What does that mean? Well, share the show, leave us a nice review. Those things help us grow the show so we can inspire the masses. And if we can get this, into the masses. There will be more dogs adopted. There will be more dogs getting into great homes and better owners living more undeniable lives, all right? Remember, you cannot become undeniable if you are uninformed. So make sure you always bless up mine and I'm out.